0: Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts,
1: Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. This is Brett Amron and welcome to The Practice Podcast.
0: Hello, Brett Amron. I'm Jeff Bast. Today we have a very special guest, Brett Spodak. Brett is a seasoned entrepreneur with a passion for productivity. He's founded and led several companies in the education and digital space. But currently, he's the founder and CEO of Productive Power, which helps professionals maximize their productivity through digital training that transforms the way they work. They have a product called Digital Productivity Essentials, and it's a program that teaches participants a series of innovative best practices that increase organization and productivity. Their clients report life-changing results, including the ability to accomplish more, beat deadlines, and enjoy peace of mind. And I'm proud to say that both Brett Amron and Jeffrey Best are clients who have reported that success. In fact, before I worked with Brett Spodak's team, my inbox was overwhelming me. I literally had thousands of emails. I am looking at my Outlook right now. My inbox has 44 emails in it right now.
1: Fantastic. So, And Brett would say that's available. But (laughs) I, I, like Jeff said, I'd say a graduate and I'll use that in quotes of the productive power, but the very early adopter of productive power. And it was, in fact, life changing. So welcome, Brett. We're so happy to have you here and not just because of your first name. Right. Agreed. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate the invitation and
2: very excited for, it's a great podcast. I listened to a bunch of your podcasts, your previous casts,
0: and very impressed with what you guys have done. Thank you, Bup. Keep the game up at a high level, Brett. You know, I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brett Amron like was, Brett Amron, all right, so we're going to have to use last names, I guess. Yeah. Brett Spodak, Brett, is it true that Brett Amron was, he wasn't your first customer, but he was one of the first, So, right?
2: So he was top 10. No well, question. I, he was in the original first ten people to go through the program. You might have been because of that, you might have been the first validated referral as a result of that. Because he went all through right. it and Brett Brett Amram referred me and then I Yeah, thought, oh, exactly. Ahead. Yeah. So you went through it and and then we do call our productive power graduates productive power elites. That's the okay. new term we're wow. using. Elites. Um, we're, yeah, we're gonna launch a whole portal and website for community forum for our, mm-hmm. our graduates to network with one another to continue the journey.
0: So uh, our listeners, as they're hearing all this, don't really have any sense of what productive power is or what the program is. So what's the high level? What exactly does it do? Obviously, it increases productivity, but what's the program?
2: Yeah. So I like to say we're technology consultants. But we don't sell software. We just show people how to use what they already have in a more efficient and effective way. So we're great for people who have things like Microsoft 365 and they recognize that they only use 5% of the functionality and they just want to upskill themselves and the members of their team to make sure that they're really harnessing the power of these tools so they can be their most productive selves.
1: How is it, Brett, that you came up with this idea? I mean, obviously, we all sit and we use Outlook or Microsoft, whatever tools through Microsoft 365. And I know we we're all feeling inundated by all of the information and trying to keep up. But I mean, I certainly didn't know until I met you and went through the program that there was all this capability you know, that was available that we weren't using. So tell us how you started this and how you got on this path. Yeah.
2: So for any entrepreneur, a very common journey is they have a problem. And then they look to solve the problem and they're either a solution doesn't exist or They're not happy with the solutions that are out there. They go through the trouble of solving their own problem, and then they realize there's a lot of people out there that have the same problem. And so then they form a business out of solving that problem for other people. So that is exactly what happened to me back in 2005. I remember I got Outlook for the first time, and I was up until then using Outlook Express. You guys remember Outlook Express? Mm -hmm. Right? No? Jeffrey, we were older here over on the Brett side, perhaps, or you just weren't using the latest. Yeah. No, no, oh, he okay. is older. I mean, we're gonna that's oh, is it. Oh, but, okay. All right. Maybe I was. I was
1: maybe little, I think, I don't know.
2: So, anyway, so we went over to Outlook and I looked at this very powerful tool and I said, you know, there's so much capability here. I just don't even know where to begin. And so I looked for a consultant at the time who could come in and show us how to use this tool. And after two weeks of looking, just came up empty and just had no real resource out there to teach us how to use this really powerful tool. So I did what anyone does in that situation. I went out and figured it out for myself. And no joke, I mean, I spent the next 10 years, like not only this tool, but everything that Microsoft came out with is really trying to understand how to take advantage of these tools um, whether it was browsers or email or task management. I've always been fascinated with just technology and increasing my productivity. So at the time, I had 30 employees. And I was always trying to figure out a way to make me and my team more efficient and started leveraging Outlook to do that and teaching them the best practices that I developed for myself. And it wasn't until I met other CEOs that were having the same problem and I started sharing with them the best practices that I realized, holy cow, I was solving a problem that a lot of people experienced and they were overwhelmed with technology. They didn't have a great process for cleaning out their inbox. And I had developed all these for me and my team. And so decided to, when I sold that company, I decided to go full in on,
0: on developing a system and a program to help other people learn these best practices. Hey, Brett. So, I mean, the focus is Microsoft. I know you work with a lot of different applications. And I I think the, the heart of the program, at least it was for me, was Outlook. And so many, I don't know, millions, I don't know the numbers of professionals, particularly lawyers, use Outlook on a daily basis. And yet there's no training. So when I did the training with you, you showed me some things I just had no clue that Outlook did. And so, but my question is, why do you think that is? Like, why are so many people using a product and only using a very small percentage of its capacity?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So, I think it comes down to people just make the assumption that it's simple, that it's email is about responding to email, it's about deleting email. So, on one hand, people just assume the practice of managing email is a simple process. And then the other is, There's so much capability and outlook. I mean, if you start clicking on the menus and go through all the drop downs and looking at all the options, it's overwhelming for people. And so it's almost like they don't even want to go there. They don't even want to explore this tool because they feel like they're going to click on something that might break something. And so they kind of shy away from it. And so I was the guy that went through every menu and every option and tried to figure out what each one did and whether it was applicable realizing at the end that only five or ten percent of the features of Outlook are really important enough that you'll want to implement them and leverage them It's just knowing what that five and 10% are and preventing people from having to spend the time to figure it out for themselves and giving them those tools on a silver platter.
1: Yeah, I always found it amazing after having gone through the program and working with you and now knowing you for you know several years is that the software company and Microsoft would never roll anything out to go along with it. I mean it's such a powerful tool, as you say, that you've unlocked and unleashed all of these things that would be helpful to people. One would think that the software companies would pitch that, right?
2: Well, and to be fair, I mean, Microsoft does offer some training, especially around Teams, mm-hmm. some free training that you can go on their website and get. And up until, I mean, I want to say up until five years ago, they, they took the approach that people that provide training are value-added resellers or part of their partnership network. So mm-hmm. they said, we develop software, we want to be great at developing software, but everything else, you know, professional development, things that go along with software, we're going to leave to third parties to do. I mean, there are companies out there that provide training and outlook. I mean, there's books, Outlook for Dummies. I mean, there's definitely resources out there. What we provide a Productive Power that really differentiates us are the a couple of things. One is the specific best practices we've developed our proprietary best practices, if you will, are different than what's out there. You know, the way that we taught you how to clean out your inbox, the way that we taught you how to use the task list and outlook, you know, those aren't things that I read in a book. Those are things I developed through trial and error. And the way we customize those tools to work for you. You know, it's also the quality of the coaches. So with productive power, you have the option of working one on one with a coach. And so I know you got to work with me, Brett. Okay. Jeff. Both of you, the, okay. yeah. So we have a, a team now of productivity coaches that are just amazing, and they're just very personable and very knowledgeable, very patient. So it's that combination of those three things that I think. You know, the one-on-one is very different too. Like you don't really get one-on-one anymore. It's mostly workshops. You know, we provide those as well, but really we got our start through one-on-one coaching, and I think that experience for most people is very nourishing. You know, to have a mentor, to have someone who can hold you accountable. Is really appealing to people.
1: Yeah, I always found the one on one, and I guess now some workshops, whatever, having that interaction and being shown some of those things and the tools and the best practices, and to go through it and then to be able to practice it was super helpful for me. And really, the concept of zero inbox. You know, people around here hear me talk about it all the time. And the use of a task list as a post your inbox as a to-do list are just fantastic concepts. Only a few, obviously, that I've learned along the way. I could say, instead of a productive power lead, I'd say a productive power disciple now, because I do. And really, the email is only part of it, right? I mean, there's so much more that you guys go through in order to help people be productive and be efficient. Yeah.
2: Well, and it's really making that commitment. That you want technology to enable you to accomplish your goals in less time with less stress instead of letting technology overwhelm you. I mean, I remember, Jeff, when I met you, I mean, you said that email was just the bane of your existence. You said it
0: was... Yeah, it was was overwhelming. yeah, yeah, it was you know, overwhelming. I had thousands yeah. of emails in my inbox, and just the thought of opening the email. You actually, you know, again, it was back in the days of one-on-one. So you would actually, as part of our training, you would sit there and watch me work, uh-huh. and you kind of were shocked at the volume of email that was coming in just during our calls. Uh-huh. And you know, I think that's the nature of our work, especially you know, we work in an insolvency arena, and so if you're in a big Chapter 11 for a you know a nationwide company the volume of filings that are just coming through and emails and you're on your large creditor groups that are just, you know, hundreds of emails coming through per hour. It's crazy. And, you know, you taught us how to manage it. But without revealing the, you know, the secrets, are, are there any sort of takeaways or little tidbits you could give any little nuggets you could give to our listeners that, you know, they could start doing right
1: now or that they could take away from this call? I'm going to jump in and say the first thing they should do is go to the Productive Power website and sign up. Before they take their first class, what could they do? Sure. Right, exactly. Good call, good call. Sure. So, you know, there are a couple key
2: concepts that would be hard to teach in this format, you know, obviously. But I want to start with those and then maybe talk about one or two that they can get started on today that would help them towards these goals. So the first, you know, Brett, you alluded to it. It's about a clean inbox inbox zero, however you want to talk about it. The really concept of not using your inbox like a to-do list is so important because everyone does that. Most people, when they get an email and they don't want to handle it right away, they leave it in there. And when you think about it, the inbox is a very inefficient to-do list because everything's organized by date received and all you see is the sender and the subject. So what most people do is they read emails and then they reread them again. And each time, they're processing it and saying, what's the action item? What's the priority? Should I do it now? Should I do it later? And then they move to the next one and do the same thing. And then they do it with that same email multiple times throughout the day as they're scanning through and trying to find the next most important email. And so we took the approach that this is a waste of time, that most people probably waste 30 to 60 minutes a day just on this practice, and that we wanted to encourage our participants to basically get away with that, you know, to work away from that process and instead think about the Ohio principle, which is only handle it once. And so they're going to do something with that email every time. They're going to either respond to it, delete it, save it, or move it to their task list is the key. And so to your point, Brett, to work off the task list instead is makes all the difference in the world. And it allows you to clean out your inbox. And so the concept of clean inbox, I think, is the first one that's really the most important. The second is to use an online to-do list. So most people either use a pad and paper as their to-do list. They put things on their calendar. They might keep them in their head. They might use third-party software they find, use a whiteboard, use an assistant, I mean, Post-it notes. And the list goes on about what people can potentially use as a to-do list. I met someone once who would take a screenshot, a picture with their camera of their inbox and take that home with them as their to-do list, okay? So it's crazy what people use for a to-do list. And really, we take the philosophy, the only thing you should use as a to-do list is an actual online to-do list, some program that is designed to be a to-do list. And naturally, if you're already working in the Microsoft ecosystem, then you should use either Outlook Tasks Which you both were taught on, or Microsoft To Do, which is their latest incarnation of the to-do list. And it's really where they're putting all their development efforts. And we're all
1: probably the both of you need a refresher and getting acquainted with Microsoft To Do. So you are using that. Yeah, I would say I am religiously trying to get people to use task lists here as well. And we now have it through our practice management software, which ties to Outlook. So religiously trying to do that because I agree that that's the best way to have the to-do list, to have a reminder, to have everybody accountable because using an inbox as an example, I remember there was a lawyer used to be here that had at one point 28,000 emails in their inbox. When I heard that number, I almost fell on the floor thinking to myself, there has to be an issue in there that got missed. Right, right. Like, like that's not a good thing. And so not only does it help in terms of being productive, but it helps in terms of your mental state and your psyche because coming in and having an inbox that only has a few emails in it or no emails or only new emails is just so much better than having thousands or hundreds of emails, you know, just staring back at you. Agreed. You
0: know, Brett Spodak, you mentioned to me, I don't know if you still use this at all. You said that your inbox is kind of like a physical mailbox at your house. And imagine like opening the mail, throwing out the junk, and then putting all the important stuff back in the mailbox for, and then the next day more mail comes in and you go through that pile every day and it's just accumulating. It just makes no sense. And so applying that logic to the digital inbox, you know, made a lot of sense for me.
2: So thanks for that metaphor. Absolutely. I'm glad you remembered it. It's something we still teach to this day. And it really resonates with people. Yeah.
1: And I think people equating it to writing down a to-do list and just saying, look, you create, whether it be a shopping list or a to-do list, if you write it down, why not have that in a digital format, to me, was really in its eye-opening. Because it's so simple, it's right there for you, but no one's thinking about that.
0: uh Yeah. Yeah. Let, wow. I want to push back a little on that yeah, on the to-do sure. list thing because I had gone through various iterations of those. I never did the post-its thing, but I like that. And I didn't do the screenshot, <laughs> but there is something I would say when you have a written list, there is a, um, you know, I don't know if it's a affirmation or affirmative or what, you know, there's some positive feeling you get of crossing the physical act of crossing something off a list. And so and I know a lot of people who feel that way about uh-huh. using a written list. Sure. but it's no, definitely I, less efficient. Yeah. Well, I thought you were going to say writing it down. That writing process, it down, but the physical act of writing yeah. it down and then crossing it off, you know, feels good to cross something off a list, but I guess yeah. you still do that on in a task list too.
2: Well, so I want to share with you something about the new Microsoft to do. So number one, you do get it digitally. I mean, it's just a click and then you see it visually disappear or off, but What Microsoft To Do allows you to do is to take the tasks you want to complete for the day and move them to what they call my day. So you identify the five things that have to get done today. You put them on my day. Mm -hmm. It's all you see. So now you're laser focused on five things that you want to get done. And the sense of accomplishment when you complete those five things and see it clear and get their confirmation message that you now have a clear to-do list. Imagine how you feel getting to a clean inbox and a clean to-do list. Yeah. The problem with a, a physical one a paper and pen one or paper based one is you still see all the scribble of all the other crap that's on there, you know. Right. And it's just to me, not as clean and not I mean, I have a clean desk. I don't even have a pen on my desk right <laughs> now, you know? And just that feeling of no clutter in your life just feels so good.
1: So email obviously is a big component of the program. But I know there's some other things that you guys work on as well. What else is there to the Productive Power Plan in order to, to make it a fulsome process?
2: Yeah. So getting to a couple other things, big key concepts first, mm-hmm. You know, the concept of going paperless. And most people up until now have really thought about that from a document standpoint, but really going full boat and saying, you know, our to-do list is now paperless. But the other piece is your note-taking should become paperless. So no more pad and paper. I know I'm talking to a legal community here and that's almost sacrosanct just to get rid of those legal pads. But taking notes in OneNote and OneNote is an incredibly powerful program. So it's whether it's your practice management software or OneNote to start collecting your notes digitally because let's face it, number one, it's easier to search, right? Whenever you need to pull up those notes to have it in a digital format is so key. Number two, the ability to organize it so that it makes sense to other people to share it is so important, to have a backup of it in case something happens. You always want to have a digital backup to make it accessible no matter where you are are all key things. And let's face it, last but not least, it's more legible. Mm -hmm.
1: So nobody here is probably proud of their script. No, for sure. Um, No, no, for sure. I know we both use OneNote. It is super helpful it has some limitations to it. I think the app is not, you know, the app on the phone when you're mobile is not 100% intuitive, but there's certainly some benefits to using OneNote for purposes of taking notes in a meeting and then sharing those notes, having them searchable, maintaining them, things like that. Yeah, no question.
0: I also like, you know, when I use OneNote, which I do you know, religiously as a result of uh, working with you. After a meeting or after a call, if maybe some of the key people weren't on that call, before I hit send on the notes, I kind of go through them just to maybe I didn't make something that as clear or I misspelled something or, but just that process alone makes the notes better to uh-huh. begin with because I give them an extra look. It doesn't take me more than a couple of minutes and it's kind of part of that meeting. It's like the wrap up of that meeting and then I shoot them off and it's clearer for me, you know, better for me and better for them. It's yeah. like one of those tools that. I wish I could teach my kids to do, you know, when they're in college or school, yeah. like take notes, and then after the class, review the notes. Real, you know, yeah. which, you know, as soon as the class is over, you're out, and you're not thinking about it until the next class. But well,
2: that's a great point, actually. That's a sixth reason I think that you can edit the notes. Yeah. So on paper, right, you write the notes, and you're kind of stuck. But I used to think back to when I used to take notes. It was almost I did it just to stay focused on the conversation, so my mind wouldn't drift right? I would write down what I'm listening to, but I would look at those notes after. They wouldn't even make sense. I got very little value out of paper-based notes. And now when I take notes in digital format, I do exactly what you're talking about. I read it after and I'll edit it and clean it up a little bit. So when I come back next time, it actually makes sense.
1: Well, and the ability to share the notes. I mean, the utility of taking handwritten notes, and then what do you have to do with it, right? Then you have to type it up, or if you're really old school, you give it to your assistant to type up. And, you know, how inefficient is that? Because that's the only way you're going to be able to save it and share it with the rest of your team. Even if you copied or scanned your notes in, as you alluded to, who's going to be able to read or understand those notes? Right. So, yeah, the use of OneNote or some other similar program is super helpful as well. Yeah. And something, yeah, we both got from you for sure. Yeah. I know there's definitely one other thing that I took from you big time, which is, and I'll hold up my phone and I'll show you my homepage. Uh-huh. See, yeah. right? Looks beautiful. Yeah, so the listeners don't know what I'm talking about. So tell us a little bit about that and some of the things you do for people through Productive Power as well for their mobile. Yeah,
2: sure. And the fourth concept I wanted to float out there is oh. it's just the concept of streamlining your workflow. Yeah. This The mobile is a good example of that. And really... Thinking about every opportunity you have to work smarter, to do things in less steps, less clicks, less taps, less time. You know, these tools are designed to increase our efficiency and it behooves us not to spend the time to figure out how to leverage them to save time because that is everyone's most precious commodity, especially attorneys. If you're billing out hourly and you can create another hour a week in billable time, I mean, that's real value. That's real return on your investment when it comes to upskilling yourself and other folks In your firm. And so with regards to mobile, I was really astonished at how much time people spend just flipping through pages, trying to find the next, finding an app that they were looking for. And so I thought to myself, what is the most efficient layout of apps on your phone? And it really comes down to everything should be one tap or two taps away. So you can literally hold it in one hand and reach all your most important apps with your thumb. Right, so you're holding your hand. You want to be able to make sure every all your most important apps are reachable by your thumb on that first page. And so then your other, you do is, the
0: other hand is on the stick shift that you're 100%, driving. One hundred percent, one hundred
2: percent. You know, or combing through your hair. You know, okay. yeah. And so, so you want to be able to touch everything with your thumb. And then, worst case, it's either out of reach of your thumb, and you have to use your other hand, or it's two taps. So you click on a folder, and then it should be on the first page of that folder. So, you know, if I'm looking at my screen, I have seven folders. So seven times six, it's 42 apps that can be on the first page of those screens. And then otherwise I have another 17. So 42 and 17 is 59. 59 apps that I can have with a one or two taps away. Oh, plus the four at the bottom. So now we're up to 63 apps. But you know, obviously that changes if you want to add another folder and you just have to let it design itself organically. So as you're watching what you're using the most, move those apps. A lot of people don't even think about moving apps around. But if you think about what's the most streamlined way that you can leverage your phone, move those apps around as you observe your behavior and which apps you're, you're tapping on the most.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we lose sight of... Few people are cognizant of the amount of time we spend on tasks like that. And if you think about how many times... Do you go on your phone per day and how many of those? I mean, those add up. That's all Uh time. This is all about productivity and especially in a world, you know, the legal world and then really the business world or this world. Time is money. Yeah. Well, and to your point, it adds
2: up. So if you just save, call it 15 seconds a day, 15 seconds a day. And anyone who listens to this. If you do what we just said and you take the time to sort out your apps and make sure that you're 100% going to save more than 15 seconds a day. Oh yeah. Okay. Right? Which is a minute a week, which is 50 minutes a year. So close to an hour a year you can save just by
1: coordinating the, you know, by streamlining the way that you access the apps on your phone. Well, and just the mental anguish sometimes if you like where I'm looking for, you know, you 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 know you see people furiously flipping the pages on their phone, looking for a particular app. And so, you know, this way, like you said, right. it's super easy. It's right there. And I know it's been super helpful for me, you know, with finding things and organizing my phone. Um, super right. helpful. Yeah. Good. Glad
0: to hear it. you Are you still doing a lot of work with lawyers and law firms? And are they, is it regional? Can, you know, you work with lawyers anywhere?
2: Sure. I mean, so all of our training is done virtually. So we work with people all over the US as well as in Canada. And we're starting to work with companies that are looking at having us train people outside of North America as well. And we've really expanded to all industries. You know, it's interesting. Initially, I thought legal was going to be kind of our bread and butter, but you know, this problem plagues everybody in every industry. You're spending your time on email and you're spending time in technology every day. You owe it to yourself to make sure that you're using not only all the tools you have accessible to you, but also that you're working as smart as possible so that you're spending as little time as necessary to get the job done and then reducing your stress. To your point, Brad, the yeah. stress relief <clears throat> of knowing everything's organized really and, and, helps people.
1: Yeah, and I, and I would think this move to more remote working would potentially accelerate, right, the growth of productive power and the and the need and the use to be even more efficient and productive. And so I would imagine that you likely have seen an uptick since the pandemic started or even more recently when you know there's been more of a move in a, to keep people remote and keep working remote. Yeah, 100%. And it's, what we
2: found is that we've moved larger percentage of our business now is coming B2B and just businesses recognizing that they're, you know, the largest expense they have is payroll. And so if they're not doing everything in their power to make sure that their employees are working as efficiently as possible, it's just affecting their profitability ultimately. And so that's the key driver for most businesses to just want to make sure their employees are maximized in
0: terms of their output and quality of work.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Good stuff, Brett. Good stuff, really. Thanks for sharing this with our listeners. Hey, my pleasure.
2: Thanks for having me on the podcast, guys.
1: Yeah, so obviously we're big fans of Brett And Productive Power, we're not only fans, we're clients. And uh, hopefully the elites. What are we again? Elites, thank you. Elites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we both love that term. So yeah, so uh, listen, check out Brett. I think it's ProductivePower.com. Brett, they can find you on LinkedIn as well. And you'll see it in the show notes as well, where to best reach Brett or anyone on his Productive Power team now that he has. We highly recommend it. It's awesome. Really been life-changing for us as well. So be more efficient. And Brett, as always, man, thanks for hanging out on the podcast. We appreciate it today. Thanks, guys. uh... And if
0: you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. Follow us, share it with your friends and family. And if you have any questions about this episode or something we discussed, or if there are other topics you want to hear in the future, or if you're interested in being a guest, please reach out to us directly through our details in the show notes or on our website at BassDamron.com. Thanks. For more information on this show and other resources, Visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.